Hello, hello, hola, and what's up? Welcome to the Hope Chase podcast. I'm Angie, and I am your host. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode four. Woohoo! This week, I want to talk about something that I know everyone has an opinion about. It's kind of a hot topic in the addiction and recovery space. So grab your coffee, your tea, your snack, or whatever else, turn your volume up, because for the next half an hour or so, I want to discuss mandated treatment. Does it work? Why or why not? Who does it work for? Why doesn't it work? So today I'm going to be answering those questions and telling you why, in my opinion and in my experience, mandated treatment doesn't really work. I think there's more reasons why it doesn't work and I will be sharing those experiences with you today. And what's the one thing that I think would dramatically change the success rate of mandated treatment? Now, before I get into it, what am I talking about when I say mandated treatment? I mean, to me, mandated treatment means when you are forced into some sort of treatment program, either by the court system, whether you have to get clean and stay sober for probation, whether it be for a court case, whether it be for a family court, whether it be for any other reason, your family sectioning you, your family giving you an ultimatum, an intervention, any of those things. When a person is forced into treatment is what I'm talking about. And it doesn't have to be an inpatient program. It doesn't have to be necessarily a detox you start out with or halfway house. It could also be a suboxone program or some sort of outpatient therapy. Any kind of stipulation that you are mandated to do by an outside source is pretty much what I'm talking about. So for me, I've experienced this so many times, so many times. Honestly, I don't even know if I can tell you how many times I went into detox or treatment on my own volition. The majority of times I went was because I was being forced by the court system. Maybe a few times I went to just spin dry and get my habit down. But for the most part, I was there because the courts are making me. And in Boston, at least, what the courts will do is they'll just start sending you to treatment over and over and over again. Let's say you get arrested the first few times, they put you on probation. If you cannot comply with those probations, then they'll start sending you to treatment. And they'll do that for a number of times. And then if you can't comply with that, then they'll start sending you to jail. So you have a few times before they start sending you to jail. But in my case, none of it ever worked. For those 15 plus years of using, the longest period of time, and most people don't believe me when I say this, but I'm not kidding. The longest period of time that I went without using, without using, was 11 days. And this doesn't include jail time, obviously. Like, you can't use when you're in jail. 11 fucking days. 
within a 15, 16 year time period, 11 days was the most I was able to put together. Now, when it comes to completing the programs, the detoxes, I've been to so many detoxes. Out of all of those, I only remember completing one. And the only reason why I completed that particular detox was because I was like an hour outside of Boston. And if I left, I would have absolutely no way home. So that's the only reason why I completed the five or six days in that detox. But I would always leave. I would always check myself out. I would make it through a couple or a few days. Day four would come around and I would just leave and go get high. I would always talk myself into it because I just would feel like such shit. I just never saw it getting any better. And there's a rule in Boston with detoxes that if you go more than a few times a month, I think it's the I think the number is 3 if you go to detox more than 3 times a month to methadone detoxes, what they use usually is methadone to wean you off of it. They'll give you an alternative drug cocktail to detox with because they don't want you getting addicted to the methadone they're giving you to wean off. And I know I had to do this a couple of times. It's a clonidine and Librium detox, which legit just makes you a completely useless human being. I would have to like crawl around on the floor because I'd have absolutely no fucking energy on top of the other withdrawal symptoms. You're a mess. But I do remember checking myself out when I was on that clonidine and Librium detox, and I literally have zero idea how I made it home alive because I was so incredibly fucked up. I wasn't high, but I was just, I was, I have no idea how I drove. I made it home. And actually the day after I checked myself out of that detox, I ended up overdosing. So I've been to many, many, many many, many detoxes and really only completed one out of all of them. The only thing mandated treatment really ever did for me was to make me a better con artist. I honestly saw it as a challenge. Like I had to come up with new ways to continue to get high without people finding out or people knowing. I had to continue to come up with new ways to convince everybody around me that I was doing great. And I would proceed to comply with all the stipulations. I went to such great lengths to make sure that everything looked great on paper. And all my documentation said I was doing great. All my drug errands were coming out perfect. Everything on paper was perfect. The things I did to make sure that everything looked fine was insane. The energy that I put into making sure I could continue to get high is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. When I was released from jail after my trafficking charge and put on the ankle bracelet, I was sent to a program. I was mandated to treatment. And I had to find a program as a result that would take me on the ankle bracelet. And I remember I had to check in the next day, which usually is not allowed. They don't accept you, quote unquote, from the streets. Usually programs only accept you from directly from another program. 
But in this instance, because I couldn't find a bed in time when I was released from jail that day, they allowed me to come in the next day on the ankle bracelet. So, of course, that one night off I had between getting released from jail and getting admitted into the program, I had to get high. So, of course, I got high. The program I had gone, gone to was a holding, like I just talked about. And it was a 28-day program. We couldn't leave the house. It was all female. And from there, usually people go to a halfway house. And it became my goal. <laughs> it was my main goal in life to figure out how I could continue to get high and still be in this program because I couldn't leave. I was on the ankle bracelet. I had to figure out a way. And, of course, I did. I had a friend of mine come to the program on a daily basis, pretty much, and throw a bag of dope into the yard. And we would go out on cigarette breaks. I would have to make sure I was the first person outside on each and every one of those cigarette breaks when there was something in the yard so I can run and grab it and nobody would see me. And I didn't tell anybody. I did not tell one fucking person because that's how people always get caught. (laughs) And that's what I did. I went the entire 28 days continuing to get high and conning every staff person, every other person that was in the program with me, my roommates. And that's what I did. And to be honest, I thought I was a fucking genius. Now, when it came to my probations, when I got released from my trafficking charge, when I got out of jail and got put on the ankle bracelet, my probation stipulations I had to report to my probation officer three times a week, which is insane. Usually it's once a week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I had to go to the courthouse and do supervised urines. Now, the bathroom was so incredibly small. This was in Southie, in South Boston. My PO would literally be standing like less than a foot from me while I was peeing in a cup. (laughs) But I saw this as a challenge where most people would be like, oh, I can't continue to get high with three drug tests a week, but not me. I would get clean urine from a friend of mine and figured out a way to make a contraption where I'd put it in a Visine bottle, use some aluminum foil with a rubber band, and for lack of a better term, tuck the clean urine. And I did this three times a week for multiple years, I was on probation for the trafficking charge. And that's what I did. Now, I also had to go to a weekly group every Monday night at the courthouse. I'd have to go to a weekly group and I would comply with all of these probation stipulations. I just saw it as a challenge and a way to become a better con artist and lie to myself and everybody around me to convince everyone that I was doing just great. Now, in this one instance, I remember it was the beginning of my probation after I got charged with the trafficking and I had been kicked out of the halfway house I was mandated to be in, not because I was caught getting high, but because somebody, another girl in the house told the staff that I was getting her a bag of dope, which was true, but of course I denied it. So they sent me packing. I was on the ankle bracelet too at the time. And the next day, of course, I had to go to the courthouse and check in with my probation officer. And I went fully prepared. I tucked some clean urine 
like my like a good drug addict would do. And the audacity, <laughs> the audacity, somebody didn't believe it. Somebody didn't believe that I was being 100% honest and asked for a second drug test. And I started freaking out. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I, there's no way that I can actually stop getting high. I have to figure this out. So what did I do? I called somebody to come drop me off some more clean urine and my car was locked. So I asked for them to put it underneath my car behind the rear tire. And I wasn't allowed to leave the courthouse at this time because I was being monitored because they wanted a second urine. But I managed to sneak out of the courthouse somehow, ran to my car, grabbed the clean urine in the middle of the main street in Southie on Broadway. I proceeded to tuck the clean urine, snuck back into the courthouse and proceeded to give them a perfectly good clean urine. I mean, there's nothing they could have done. Another time I remember I was on the Suboxone program during one of my probations and it was a stipulation for me to continue in that program and to supply my probation officer with documentation pretty much on a monthly basis or bi-weekly basis, I don't remember exactly, and turn into her all of my drug urines, any paperwork that was coming from the clinic, and so on and so forth. So I would go to Staples. Now, this dates me. I know this dates me. I'm so old. I would spend hours, I mean hours, an entire day sometimes in there cutting out individual letters and gluing on. I would be fixing the drug urine results, the paperwork from the program, Suboxone program that I was attending, and I would fix each and every drug urine result so that it would conclude that I was 100% doing the right thing. I would fix the dates so that it would say I was getting drug urine more often than I was telling my probation officer because she thought I was getting drug tested a lot more often than I really was. So I would duplicate urine tests. I would forge letters. I went so above and beyond to make sure I could continue to get high. It was absolutely ridiculous, insane. Now, mind you, I thought I was a fucking genius. <laughs> I was getting away with all of this shit and I was able to continue to get high and people actually believed that I was doing well. I thought I was a fucking genius. I thought, oh my goodness, I cracked the code. I mean, really, Ange, you cracked the code. All you're doing is continuing to fucking kill yourself <laughs> and you're not getting healthier. In fact, you're getting worse. And worst of all, you are not going to have any support at the end of this because <laughs> you're not taking advantage of any of these opportunities that you have to have the support. So in reality, it was just a shit show, a shit show. And yes, I did manage to con a shit ton of people, my probation officers, the staff at the programs, the people around me. I became a pretty damn good con artist. But 
if I had gotten caught doing any of those things, just when I was on the ankle bracelet, when I was going in to get urine three times a week, I mean, if I had gotten caught, I had a five-year suspended sentence. I would have been sent back to jail for five years. And the fear of that happening did not keep me from doing any of that. I just didn't care. I just didn't care. The only thing that was important to me was to continue getting high. And I didn't care about anything else. But honestly, I never really gave myself a chance. Like I said, 11 days. 11 days was the most amount of time I put together outside of jail without using. That's insane. I was a I was a baby. I was a baby because I used for such a long period of time and extended periods of time. My habits were so huge that a standard detox or five days in a detox, usually I would still be sick after that. And that's the case for a lot of dope fiends and drug addicts. The time in detox doesn't really do much when it comes to your physical being feeling any better. The heroin literally changes your brain chemistry. And sometimes people can go nine months more even before you start feeling quote unquote normal. The lethargic feeling, the lethargy is so overwhelming. Literally feels like you have to drag yourself everywhere. The not sleeping the longest time I have gone without sleeping was in jail, and I was about for 20 fucking nights, 20 days I didn't sleep. So all of these things combined, it's like you feel like you're never, ever going to feel better. I mean, I didn't see it ever getting better. I never in my mind's eye saw it getting better. So I never really tried. Months and months of feeling sick and miserable is what I thought I was in for versus instant gratification. Now you take myself, I was so used to instant gratification, getting high at every second for years and years. And then all of a sudden you put me in a treatment program in an environment where instant gratification is not allowed. And I feel like shit, I'm not sleeping, I'm miserable, lethargic, and still sick. Of course I'm going to go back to the instant gratification because I don't fucking know any better. So, of course, given that decision, it was a given in my head. Of course I was going to choose the instant gratification. Of course I was going to leave the program or choose to get high. We don't focus at all on the physicality of recovery or getting clean. I mean, detox is what, like five days. And then after that five days, the physical aspect of recovery is simply forgotten about. If you feel like shit, get over it, right? If you, you should be done kicking, you should be done detoxing after five days. If you feel like shit, that's your problem. For me, if I had actually physically felt better, I might have tried a little harder. I might have given myself the chance. My habits were so big and I had been using for such long periods of time. I was never actually done detoxing, like ever. I never actually got to a point where I felt okay. 
And, you know, I really do think that paying more attention and, and making more of an effort to make sure that clients are more comfortable physically, I think that really would increase the success rate of some of these programs. Because if people were given the option to medicate longer or just the option of maybe getting some physical treatments, like fucking a massage or some shit like that. I know it's impossible to tailor each treatment program to each individual. I know that's impossible. But I'm just saying, like, put more emphasis on the physicality of getting clean. I mean, the physical wear and tear that addiction takes on your body is insane. And I just think that paying more attention to that would make a huge difference. Now, the thing is, treatment is always, always a good idea. It's never, ever a bad idea, right? Even if you don't want to be there, that whole thing of the seed is planted. I mean, it's fucking true. Even if it's the last place you want to be, there's always something that is learned when you're in a treatment, even if it's for one day. When I made that decision for myself to leave and go get high, I could never go back to that ignorance I once had. I swear every time I relapsed, it was to try to get back to that ignorance that I once felt. Because, you know, they say ignorance is bliss. But as soon as you start going into treatment, you lose all of that ignorance. Now, you know better, at least a little better. Now, you know that relapsing is not the thing to do. And when you do it anyways, you can't go back to that same ignorance you once had. So treatment, because of that, is never a bad idea. It's always a good idea. I mean, there's so many good things that even if you don't want to be there, that people get from treatment. It's the community. You meet so many good people. It's the meetings, the group meetings, the staff, the healthy environment, the safe space. So many good things you get from even one day in a fucking treatment program. But then there's also the group of people that are there because they're mandated to be there mixed in with the people who are there because they want to be there, which is not an ideal situation <laughs> because it's a telling war stories, people get triggered, blah, 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 end up going out and getting high. But the reality is, if you really want to fucking get clean, if you really want to do it, you can do it anywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. So really, does it work? Does it not work? Can you force somebody into treatment? Sure. <laughs> you can do whatever the fuck you want. But does it work? I don't know. I mean, there's so many different factors. It's not a question of whether or not the treatment works, because I don't think necessarily any treatment program works. It's not about the treatment program. You have to want to fucking be there. Like, I never wanted to be there, ever. And yet, you get the people who are doing it just to do it and staying clean just for courts and things like that and just going through the motions with all the intentions of going back out and getting high when, you know, the stipulations are up. I mean, you have to want to be there in the first place. So it's not about whether or not a treatment program works or 
any other program working. It's about whether or not you want to fucking be there in the first place. With all of this said, it is my opinion that mandated treatment doesn't work very well. But I think it doesn't work very well in achieving long-term recovery. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's not successful. Like I said, even if that person stays one day in treatment, usually that person can't go back to business as usual, go back to that ignorance as if that one day in treatment never existed. You can't just forget about that one day, one week, or one month in treatment. You just can't forget about it. That seed is planted. Sounds so corny, but it's so true. And that's why I also say that treatment is always a good idea. It's never a bad idea to send somebody to treatment. And both of these things can be true. Both of these things, I think, are true, if that makes any sense whatsoever. So I guess I answered the question by not answering the question. (laughs) Kind of getting good at that. (laughs) But what do you think? I want to know. Do you think court-mandated treatment works? Do you think it doesn't work? Like, ever? I don't know. I can't answer that question. But let me know what you think. I want to know. So that's it. That's all. That's all I have to say on this topic of mandated treatment for today. And as far as answering the question, I don't think anybody can tell you if it works or if it doesn't work. Just because it didn't work for me doesn't mean it wouldn't work for somebody else. But it's just my experience that there's more reasons why it wouldn't work. It just comes down to whether or not you want to be there. I don't think that can be forced on anyone. So with that said, thank you so much, so much for listening. Don't forget to follow along from whatever platform you're listening from, whether it be Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, any of those podcast platforms. Follow along to get all the notifications when new episodes drop every Tuesday. And don't forget to leave a review and a rating to help this podcast get noticed by those big platforms of the Spotify's and the Apple's and the Google's and all those places. And don't forget to follow along on the social medias, the Instagrams and the TikToks at the hope chase pod on both platforms. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Angie. This is the hope chase podcast. And welcome to the shit show. See you next time.